Away we go, episode 1015 of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. My name's Matt Robinson, coming to you from our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. We are on Twitter and Instagram. Give us a follow there. Let us know what you think about uh, everything we get into here today and uh, and these shows in general. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast app. Great show coming at you today as uh, our buddy Arden Zwelling from Sportsnet is uh, is going to join me here and uh, we'll talk about the Blue Jays. I don't think we've spoken to Arden since uh, since late May, so uh, looking forward to, uh, to doing that. Always cool when he makes a little bit of time for us. And uh, don't forget later on, on Thursday... Our pal Michaela Schreider will be back on uh, on the podcast as well, as uh, we'll have plenty to get to with her as the, uh, I don't know, there's been all kinds of news around the NHL now that uh, camps are opening and media days are going on. We're, we're seeing injuries, we're seeing all kinds of little tidbits, so lots to get to with her as well. And a uh, little bit of a change of pace on that. Uh, we were supposed to do that from the uh, Nita Brewery. That's been pushed back a little bit as... Uh, as our friend Andy was a little under the weather, so uh, we won't be doing that from the brewery this week. We will do that at some point in the near future. we got other stuff we want to talk to with Andy, and uh, we definitely still want to do a podcast from over there at the brewery. So we'll do that later on. But Shrides will still be here on Thursday. Stick around for that. Speaking of Nita, Oktoberfest this Saturday, September 24th at the Nita Beer Company. That's at 190 Colonnade Road. You can get your tickets and more information at nitabeer.com, N-I-T-A beer.com. And uh, when you get your ticket, you get yourself a nice brat, you get yourself uh, a stein full of one of Nita's beers, but uh, of course you're going to be able to take that stein home with you. Uh, they got some traditional uh, German music scheduled to, uh, to be over there as well. That's going to be kind of fun. Uh, the whole thing looks like it's going to be uh, a really great time. They've been looking forward to this. Uh, we're looking forward to, uh, to seeing how all that pans out as well. So uh, that is, again, Saturday, September 24th, the Nita Beer Company's Oktoberfest. More information and tickets at nitabeer.com. With all that out of the way, we welcome back in our buddy Arden Zwelling from Sportsnet and the At The Letters podcast. How's it going today, man? Hey, what's going on? Thanks for having me. I think uh, I think the last time we chatted, I was in a friend's backyard because uh, my part of Ottawa oh, yeah. was still blacked out. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that. Did you ever escape that? Do I did. I did. Electricity now. Eventually, oh, the power came back. That's on. good to hear. Yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> um, you know where we like to start around here, though. Uh, I know you're a bit of a craft beer guy. You had a chance over the summer to try anything new, anything interesting? Um, new? I don't know. Uh, let me think. What would I want to shout out? Um, do you know Town Brewery in Whitby? A little bit, They're yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I had some Town Brewery lately. They're uh, they're really good, and they also seem to do some really cool stuff in their community, too. I got a buddy who lives out that way, so it seems like uh, they're doing some interesting things in the Whitby community and kind of giving back, right. being more than just a, a brewery, so being kind of a community. So uh, that's cool. Um, went to Sawdust City recently, so I was up north. You know them up in Gravenhurst. Sure, yeah. They do some cool stuff. They're they're pretty cool because they do a lot of different styles like really well. Um, so it's kind of like something for everybody there, but it's not something for everybody in a sort of half-hearted you right. know ho hum way. It's something for everybody in a oh this is a really good stout and like <laughs> oh like what a delicious grisette and oh like an you know English mild that is delicious and oh a great you know terrific triple IPA like. Everything is like really solid and really well done, and clearly um, they care about the craftsmanship of it and put a lot of work into it. So, I would shout those two out, Town and, and Sawdust City. I, I've drank some of them lately, and they've been really good. Uh, Sawdust City, yeah, one of those classics that uh, I think we all have tried at least one or two things from there. Town is is a little newer. I grew up in uh, in Oshawa, actually, so 
uh, when I get back down to visit some buddies there in the Durham region. That is one of the ones that, uh, that they've been suggesting lately. So, um, Yeah, good breweries out there in Whippy Town and uh, Little Beasts, also a really good brewery out there. And just about 20 uh, minutes would... north of there is uh, in Port Perry, a place called Old Flame that might be it, it, probably my top three favorite craft breweries in the province. So. Okay. Yeah. Nice. If you ever find yourself uh, staring down an old flame, give it a shot, man. Well, I, I, I'm meaning to get out to that kind of neck of the woods. Like I said, I got a buddy out there, so I do want to get out there once baseball season's over. So I'm adding it to the list. Old flame. Uh, Done. I got to tell you, man, when I watched uh, Tuesday night's 18-11 Blue Jays-Phillies game, and then I stuck around <laughs> and I watched the end of the Yankees and Pirates game, it felt an awful lot like the last day of the season of uh, of 2021 where the Blue Jays had right. done their part and actually did it in fairly spectacular offensive fashion, but then you were stuck counting on the Washington Nationals. And then here we are Tuesday night, and you're like, am I really going to trust the Pittsburgh Pirates to get this done? And I did, man. I <laughs> fell into the trap. I sat there. I believed it was going to happen. And of course it didn't. Aaron Judge hits number 60. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton then walks it off with a grand slam. And I think at this point, we're pretty much locked into, because that's the second game in a row for the Blue Jays, where midway through the day, you're looking at it going, hey, Yanks are losing and uh, and Jays are winning. And then on Sunday, that fell apart. And then on Tuesday, the Jays do hang on and win. And uh, the Yankees still win. We're locked into the wild card at this point, aren't we? Like the, the chase for the division basically done. Yeah, I'd, close enough. Um, the first thing I'd say on that, because you did just jog my memory of watching the, the Nationals playing the Red Sox in the last game of the season <laughs> last year. And it, was, it was that day where everything, every game started at the same time. Right. And I just, and I remember watching that Nationals game and they like paused it in the seventh inning for a retirement ceremony. <laughs> for, like, it was, uh, I think it was for Ryan Zimmerman. Um, and uh, that was kind of when I realized, like, oh, okay, like, this is this team isn't trying. No. <laughs> this isn't gonna, you know, this isn't a real. They may have their mind on other things. At this point, yeah, when you're just pausing the game so a guy can retire, is uh, watching the Pirates try to beat the Yankees probably wasn't, you know, that bad. Uh, but yes, yeah, so you, you've learned your lesson twice now. You know, don't don't put your hope in in bad teams, which are bad <laughs> for a reason. Um, yeah, I think the Blue Jays like 95 percent chance, probably even higher, are going to be in a three game wild card series on the first weekend of October. Uh, the what the Yankees are at five and a half games as we sit here right now. The Blue Jays have three head to head against them remaining, so there is like an outside slim chance that the division could be back in play if the Blue Jays really take care of business in those three against the Yankees and, and get some help uh, elsewhere. But I believe right now it's basically like any combination of ten Yankees wins and Blue Jays losses. So five of the Yankees wins, five Blue Jays losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, two Yankees wins, eight Blue Jays losses would clinch the Yankees the division. So yeah, I, I think the division's out of play. But what's good news for Blue Jays is that dropping out of the postseason is kind of out of play as well because the Orioles have fallen off. The Magic has has run out at Camden Yards, and the Minnesota Twins have dropped off the face of the earth. And neither of the other two AL Central teams that could be involved, the White Sox uh, or Guardians, really look like much of a threat to even like win ninety games. So I, I don't think the Blue just have to worry about any team catching them in the postseason race and knocking them out of postseason contention. So really, right now, over these final two weeks, the Blue Jays can just start preparing and start optimizing things for three really important games 
on uh, what is it? I think it's October eighth, uh, ninth, and tenth. Yeah, Canadian Thanksgiving. It's kind of fun to uh, have a nice long <laughs> weekend, have a little turkey, and just sit there and get fat and watch baseball all weekend. I'm I'm all right with that, how that's going. Is that not what happens over the last six months? Yeah, well, <laughs> minus the turkey, but the other things. There is some of that too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I wonder when you look at this and, and you're right, like we'll start to line this up now at some point in the last week and, and maybe before that, they'll obviously start to try and set the rotation in the way they want that to go. How would you prioritize? Obviously, you're never going to try and pick your spot. You're never going to try and fall into the third wild card so that you would get the road central uh, games, even though a lot of people might suggest that the central division winner is going to be the weakest one in the mix there. Um, how, how much would you going into that last three, four, five days be focused on where you're fitting versus how you're setting up your rotation? Like if going into that last Sunday, you could still be at home versus on the road. Would you move a guy who you were hoping was going to start game one into now pitching game 162 instead? Or how do you think they're going to prioritize this? I wouldn't get cute. I think that you're really moving um, your win probability so marginally at that point when you talk about being at home or on the road or you talk about who your opponent is. It's three games of baseball. I don't think that it matters where those three games take place or what team those three games are against. I think what matters is that you have your best players in the best possible position to succeed. So that means lining up Alec Manoa and uh, Kevin Gosman for the first two games of that series with optimal rest and if that means an extra day so be it like uh putting them in in position to start those games where they are feeling their strongest and their most durable their most capable and their stuff is the most effective i think it means making sure bullpen arms like jordan romano and jimmy garcia and anthony bass are all well rested for the possibility of having to pitch on three consecutive days mm-hmm. during the wild card round. So that means like not using them in those final days of the season. I think that on the position player side, if an Alejandro Kirk's carrying a hip issue, if Lourdes Gurriel Jr.'s hamstring is still barking, if George Springer's elbow um, is acting up, yeah, you play them less in that final series of the season against the Baltimore Orioles. And you see a lot of Bradley Zimmer uh, you know, in the outfield and, and you see a lot of Whit Merrifield playing regularly and Rymel Tapia so that some of those key players can rest up and feel as good as possible because no baseball player really feels good right now at the end of the 162 game grind, but as good as possible to perform well during that wildcard series. I think that's what you prioritize rather than trying to get cute and kind of, you know, mess around with your, your seating or potential home field advantage when, when those things aren't guaranteed. I wonder, uh, I noticed there that, uh, when you said setting things up, you want to make sure that Gosman and Manoa are ready to go. Uh, you're probably going to need a third guy. And you stopped short of mentioning one. And uh, Jose Barrios, over the course of the season, has been fascinating, I I guess would be the term I would use when you look at some of his numbers and his splits, home versus road. And I don't know if some of that is just noise. Um, And and Strip has been far better, although he kind of got knocked around a bit against the Phillies. Um, That changeup, which had been fairly effective, you know, Harper was hitting it, Schwarber was hitting it. I mean, those are top-end uh, hitters, at this point, do you have a, a sense of which guy they would go to in a Game 3 situation? Well, a couple things on that. First of all, like there's no 
guarantee that it even would be Manoa Gosman in the first two games. Remember the last time the Blue Jays played a three-game wildcard series against Tampa Bay Rays in 2020? Mm-hmm. What did they do? They started Hunjin Ryu in game number one. They saved Taiwan Walker for game three. And then they went with a tandem outing of Matt Shoemaker and Robbie Ray in game two. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if the Blue Jays did something similar again, right? And got creative and said, you were going to go just for the sake of the They example, remember how that went, Kevin, didn't they? yeah for sure but they they there was a reason that they landed at that being their plan and that being the way that they did things and so that's a bit of a hint to the way that they think and the way that they might construct things so just for the sake of example could be kevin gosman in game one we're saving alec manoa for game three and in game two we're throwing a bullpen day i don't know for me i wouldn't get cute i would go gosman and manoa games one and two and i that's just what i would do i would win the games that i know i'm going to play and I know are in front of the or not win the games. I would like put myself in best possible position to win mm-hmm. the games. I know I'm going to win. I know I'm going to play, and that I know are in front of me. And then for game three, ultimately, if there is a game three, that's a bullpen day, regardless, because you're it's an elimination oh, day for yeah. exactly for two teams. So that's where you're really going matchup heavy, and that's where whoever starts that game might be out of it after three innings anyway. So it's almost a moot point as to whether it's Jose Brios who starts that or Ross Stripling who starts that game, because I don't think that the outing from the starter that day is going to be very long. I think that that game is going to get into like a real matchup heavy affair really quickly. Um, so who starts it will really just come down to who the opponent is and who the Blue Jays feel like matches up best with that team's lineup. Uh, I guess we expect that final weekend, as you've already pointed out, to maybe be a little wacky anyway in terms of who's going to play and who isn't. I guess with 14 games left, we're going to see Strip and Barrios each pitch at least once more, maybe, uh, or I guess at least twice more. Um, is there anything left to be determined, or is this front office so married to, and correctly so, the the big picture um, you know, will they, if, if Barrios went out and dominated his next two starts, would that earn him something or, and, and his pedigree and everything you've paid him long-term, or will they look at the way this whole season has gone to make that decision? Recent performance and effectiveness is definitely a piece of the puzzle. It's definitely something that they consider, but I mean, it's weighted appropriately with, you know, the matchup and how a uh, pitcher's stuff would play against the lineup that you're facing. If the you know Cleveland Guardians, that's not a team that has a ton of power, right? Sure. Um, so that's a team that puts the ball in play a lot. So you you want to be kind of mindful of that. You think about environment as well. You think about the fact that Jose Barrios gives up a ton of fly ball contact, and Ross Stripling gets most of his outs on the ground. Mm-hmm. So you think about where you're playing. You think about the defense you're going to have behind. These guys, um, you think about runs of, of lefties in, in the order. You think about if it's Tampa Bay Rays, how they'll be matching up with you with, with their bench and the various directions that Kevin Cash can go. Um, you know, the, the second trip through the order, like th- these games, these playoff games are so micromanaged. We see it every year. I mean, this is really when managers opt to like make pull a pitcher too early rather than pull them too late. Yeah. They always go too early in the playoffs. They always <laughs> lean that direction. They always make that call, um, and then everything is really just hyper scrutinized and hyper managed. This is why a lot of these playoff games take like ten hours to play <laughs> because there's just so much maneuvering. So 
uh, you know, I, I really do like, like, yes, recent performance will play into it and effectiveness on the day will play into it and game planning will play into it. Uh, I just think there's a lot of factors that are going to ultimately dictate who is, who is on the field when, when the season matters most. At this point, we, uh, I, I believe, uh, Dan said on the broadcast on Tuesday night that, uh, that Bo was batting something like 410 in September. Um, Vlad is on another hitting streak, even while we sort of wonder what's happening, you know, with having returned to this kind of a lot of stuff on the ground. Um, Springer has looked good since, since coming back in sort of a big picture sense. What do you make of, of the offense, um, as it stands right now? Because, you know, we bring in Kirk and he's coming off an injury. They're probably going to want to be careful with him coming down the stretch. How many days he DHs versus you know, how many days he's down on the ground catching, if it's a hip injury like that. Is this, um, this offense, I think, you know, probably is a little surprising in the sense that we may not have any Blue Jay reach 35 home runs, and yet they're a, you know, one of the top offensive teams in baseball, but maybe we took a different road than we expected to, to get to those numbers. Like, what do you make of the way this team has performed offensively? Yeah, it's a really high floor offense, is I think what you're getting at there. You don't have the incredible high ceiling season that like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had last season. You don't have like an Aaron Judge-esque season this year where there's one guy who is just playing out of his mind. You just have like 10, 11 guys who are all above league average and some of them are you know just a bit above league average offensively like your Kevin Biggios or um your Santiago Espinals or your Lourdes Gurriel juniors and some of them are a bit more above average than that like a Teoscar Hernandez or a Matt Chapman and mm-hmm. you know a couple of them are legitimately among like the top 25 30 hitters in the game when you're, you're talking about Alejandro Kirk and a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. even even a George Springer um so but it really is just a, a, a an offense where there aren't any black holes and there isn't like one ryan goins coming up every <laughs> uh, trip through the lineup where you say oh this is an out you right. know like there just isn't an easy out in the lineup and i think that that has a lot of knock-on effects with with opposition starters and, and pitching staffs where they don't really get to take a breath and they don't ever really get to say okay this is the soft part of the order because the soft part of the Blue Jays order is like, okay, here comes Danny Jansen, who is quietly having an exceptional offensive season. And, um, you know, when he's in there, here's Rymel Tapia, who, uh, you know, one way or another finds his way into, (laughs) into big moments in these games and puts the bat on the ball a ton and makes a lot of contact and has some sneaky pop. And like, here's one of Santiago Espinal or Kevin Biggio who like are not, you know, blow your socks off offensive performers but are above league average and give you a really good plate appearance and see a lot of pitches and work counts and um you know make good swing decisions and in espinal's case make really good contact so there just isn't like a a super soft part of of this of this offense that's really its strength it's a it's a high floor offense um the key for the blue jays really is just going to be getting guys hot and comfortable and good in the postseason because guys, those are the teams that are successful in the postseason. It's a weird little tournament after the regular season, right? It's like March Madness. Yeah. Get hot. Be, you know, have luck going your way. Have guys feeling good at the plate and being productive and balls falling in. And then you can be the Atlanta Braves of, of 2021, sure. right? And just go on a, go on a run with a, a team that on paper you would say, yeah, this isn't the best team in the league. But it was healthy and hot and productive at the right time. 
It's so funny the way we do North American sports. Here's 162 games, and now for three or four weeks, we're going to play a tournament, and we'll make those guys the champs at the end of it. And <laughs> it's just funny how we prioritize things over here. But that's uh, that's what we're all in for. Let me ask you about a couple of specific names. Uh, Guriel, who you mentioned a second ago, uh, dealing with a hamstring injury. We haven't seen him back yet, but I guess uh, they said on the broadcast Tuesday night he will meet the team in Florida. Um, did not necessarily say he will come off, uh, be, you know, start playing in Florida, but he will meet them there. How much do you think they're they're worried about at this point? How many games do you think it's necessary to see him back in there to get his timing back before the playoffs start to get a real sense of what he is? Or, you know, heaven forbid, if it came down, it was only like two or three days before the playoffs, he's in there and, and he'll be there on in game one. Like, what is his situation and how concerned are they? Yeah, it's interesting because you're running out of minor league games with which to use for a minor league rehab assignment. Mm-hmm. Like AAA Buffalo's got about you know five or six games remaining. So, yeah, it's um, you know if you need to get Lourdes Gurriel Jr. back up to speed, it might have to be in like a live batting practice um, simulated game environment. Um, and the thing with soft tissue injuries like Gurriel's is you do not want to rush them, and you want to make absolutely sure that. Uh, he has passed it because you can so easily re-aggravate a hamstring issue. That's what happened with Jay Jansen last season. So the, the Blue Jays are going to want to be cautious with this. And the benefit that they have is that you know, it kind of gets back to what we were talking about earlier. You're pretty much, you're not guaranteed, but there's a very, very good likelihood that you're going to play in a wildcard series. Mm-hmm. So you kind of know where you're going to end up. So the importance of kind of, you know, rushing anything or getting Goriel back into the lineup for these final couple of weeks is, you know, minimized a little bit. And the Blue Jays can take their time with it, but they are going to want him seeing live pitching and seeing balls off the bat in the outfield in advance of the postseason and getting into a little bit of a rhythm so that he's not going into it totally cold, seeing big league pitching for the first time in, in three weeks or a month, whatever it's been. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting thing to watch coming up. But, yeah, he's going to be up with the team in, in Tampa at the Trop, and they'll see where he's at and how he's recovering and how strong he is, what he's capable of doing, and they'll go from there. Uh, Julian Merriweather, they've tried in a couple different situations. I've heard you talk on uh, on your show at the Letters about you know, how much confidence they may have in him or they, they've tried him in a couple of spots, but last night or Tuesday night, they didn't trust him in a, whatever they were up by eight at that point And he wasn't getting it done and had to go out and, and pull him out of there. Where do you think they're at with him? Is he going to be on the playoff, uh, roster? Um, you know, what is, what is a reasonable expectation of that guy at this point in the season? Well, the interesting thing with him getting optioned here as we talk on Wednesday, September 21st, is that that basically disqualifies him from the rest of the regular season okay. unless he's coming back I had, up. I right? hadn't seen that. Is that just coming across now? He's uh, Yeah. Okay. He's, he's, if he hasn't already, he's going to be optioned. Okay, fair enough. By the time this is posted. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, by the time this is up, people will have heard about it. Yeah. He's going to be optioned. So uh, he, unless he comes back as an injury replacement, he has to stay on option for 15 days. Hmm. So essentially he's kind of out of the picture for the rest of the year unless somebody goes on on il um so the next decision the blue jays would have to make on him would be with regards to a playoff roster and going into tuesday night's uh absolutely ludicrous affair against the (laughs) philadelphia phillies i thought yeah julian merriweather's probably on the playoff roster uh and then after seeing the performance in that game (laughs) and seeing him get option the next day yeah probably have my doubts now right i think my 
I am adjusting my opinion with that uh, with that regard. So it, it'll be interesting. It'll depend on availability and health, obviously, and, and who the Blue Jays have. Um, you know who, who the Blue Jays are matching up with in the postseason, how they want to construct their bullpen. But yeah, I don't think the Merriweather is guaranteed a spot on a postseason roster, really. And it's tough, right? Because there's a lot of promise there. Obviously, there's a lot of tools, a lot of stuff. The health hasn't been there yeah. for him um, for basically ever uh, in order to realize the potential and just get reps at the big league level and figure out how to use his stuff at that level. But the, the one thing we've kind of learned about him is that his fastball does not cut, it does not sink, it does not run. It stays flat. And when you throw a flat fastball yeah. on the plate, even if it's 97 98, it's 2022, man. There's a lot of right-handed relievers in baseball who throw 97, 98. Big league hitters can turn that around these days. If it was 2002, different story. Sure. But it's not. This is just kind of it's kind of pedestrian at this point when you look at the arms that are coming out of the bullpens right now. So hitters will turn that around if you're not really fine with your command. I think that's what we've kind of learned with Julian Merriweather at the big league level recently. He deserves time to work on it and time to improve and get better because there's obvious stuff there. There's obvious potential and talent there, but um, I don't know that that development is going to occur over the next two weeks prior to a postseason series <laughs> <No>. <laughs> where you have to win. Right. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if going into, you know, if, if the blue Jays wildcard roster had say um, a length reliever in place of Julian Merriweather, just in order to give them an option in blowouts, so they don't have to burn a leverage guy, or if even like a, a Zach Pop or a Trevor Richards edges a Merriweather out for for a postseason spot. In the same vein, uh, because you know they'd love to have at least one more arm throwing some smoke out of that bullpen. Uh, where is Nate Pearson? And you mentioned that uh, that Buffalo is running out of games quick. Is he there? And playoff roster aside, is there a chance that we may yet see him in Toronto in some of these final few games, or is he not that far along yet in his recovery? There is a chance. Uh, he's been pitching for the AAA Buffalo Bisons, and like my belief throughout this month was that he was going to have to absolutely break the door down mm-hmm. in order to come up to the big leagues, um, or the Blue Jays were going to have to have a pretty desperate need in their bullpen. Like, you know, one guy was going to have to get hurt, and the other was going to have to drop off the face of the earth. Uh, neither of those things have happened, right. and that's why Nate Pearson has remained with AAA Buffalo. It's always possible that he gets up towards the end of the season, and he is like dialed in, and the velo is there, and the stuff's missing bats. And he's not walking guys, and he is like working quickly on the mound and composed and attacking the zone, and he looks like. You know, Nate Pearson, reliever, circa 2021. And all of a sudden, okay, now that's a weapon you can use out of your bullpen. And maybe that's someone you consider for a postseason roster. But until we see that, it's it's hard to it's hard to consider him for uh, you know the Blue Jays in the playoffs. I think the most likely next step for Nate Pearson is pitching a lot this winter. Mm-hmm. That could be at the Arizona Fall League. That could be in the Caribbean. That could be in Australia. He just needs game reps. He's missed so much time, and there's only so much development that could still occur at the Blue Jays facility in Dunedin in simulated games. You know, off of like mounds and labs and stuff. Like he just needs to be in actual games, seeing actual live reps against real hitters who are being competitive against him, learning how to make adjustments, learning how to get by on days when his fastball isn't where it needs it to be or he isn't able to land his slider, like learning all of that in-game stuff that he's just missed out on over these last several years that he's spent in the injury wilderness. 
It's it's such a drag because that guy was right there with a name like Bo and like Vladdy, right? That was coming in as this next young wave, and he just hasn't been able to to put it together and, and stay healthy long enough to. And and you're starting to get to a point where maybe by the time we roll into spring training next year, they've just decided, yeah, you're a bullpen arm at this point, right? And and we're not even going to try to build you back up as a starter. It's, we got to be getting close to that point. It's interesting, like, there could be a middle ground between those two things where Nate Pearson's not necessarily a starter like Alec Manoa is a starter, where every five days he's pitching six or seven innings, mm-hmm. but he's, like, a bulk guy out of the bullpen, and his outings are more like one trip through the lineup, face nine hitters, and maybe some days that's, like, a two-inning appearance, maybe some days that's only one, maybe some days it's three like, I do think there is a middle ground there where you can leverage the fact that Nate Pearson has been stretched out before and has a starter's repertoire and, and has four, like, really good pitches to get more out of them in a bulk bullpen role. Like, a bulk reliever in your bullpen doesn't just have to be, like, the guy who comes in to mop things up or the guy who comes in and blowouts. Like, you can use that guy as a bridge in tight games in the fifth and sixth innings. You can be Trevor Richards as your opener here occasionally. <laughs> you could use him to open as well, yeah, sure. Yeah. And he could open and, and throw, you know, the first two innings and you say Coochie comes in behind if you feel like that's what gives you the best chance to win, right? Like it's not. I do think there's <laughs> you don't know that yet. We're talking twenty twenty three. Who knows, man? Things in baseball change True. so quickly. True. So uh yeah, I think there's something I think there's a middle ground there for Nate Pearson in the future is what I'm saying. I don't necessarily think it's just okay now you're a one inning air it out reliever i do think there is a bulk bullpen role that you could fill so as we sit here now how confident do you think blue jay fans should be heading into this season because we came in all the hype was there all the big american national media was picking the jays to maybe run away with the al and and be the team that goes to the world series and it hasn't really gone that way but they have played well. They they the last couple months they've really you know even if certain guys numbers aren't where you want them to be the team record has been really solid. You know they're going to be in there with Seattle and Tampa and you know one of those teams from uh, from the AL Central. Um, it it's a ridiculous little tournament that we're about to play. Any team can beat any team in a three game wild card series, and then you're on to best three of five, and then best four of seven. Uh, how confident should Jays fans be that their team is in the mix and, and a team that could make some noise in the playoffs? That's a perfect way of framing it because they should be as confident as any team with a seed in the tournament. And that's what the Blue Jays have. It's March Madness. You're going into a tournament and you've got, you're going to start with a wild card series where it's three flips of a coin. And I would not be surprised if the Blue Jays are eliminated in two games in a wild card series. I would not be surprised if they blow out their opposition in two games in a wild card series, go on to a DS. I wouldn't be surprised if there's uh, two really tight games and we're looking at a third game on the Sunday, a must win game to move on to the DS and the Blue Jays are bullpenning and making all kinds of crazy <laughs> decisions, right? I wouldn't be surprised by any of those outcomes because it's baseball, right? We're talking three games in a wild card series, three flips of a coin. The game could be at Rogers Center. It could be in Cleveland. It could be on the moon. You could be playing the Rays, you could be playing the Guardians, you could be playing whoever. Like you could be playing the, you know, 1920 Yankees. It it's <laughs> baseball. Like anything crazy could happen, right? Like you can try to optimize your starting rotation. Tampa could have, have members of their roster fighting in the parking lot. <sighs> you can you, you can have that, right? You can optimize your rotation, you can get your bullpen all lined up, you can start your your lineup that like matches up perfectly with this guy's swing plane against that guy's sinker slide 
provider and this is exactly what our analytics department would have dreamed up and boy you know is this exactly the sweetheart matchup for us it's still baseball and you're still only moving that win probability by mere percentage points and it's much more likely that it comes down to oh it was a really windy day in cleveland (laughs) and they you know the ball that george springer would have driven out of rogers center got knocked down by that wind and fell at the warning track or oh some kid reached over from the stands and you know touched that ball in play that vladimir guerrero jr liner up the left field line exactly right like oh that toronto ever since That umpire made a totally egregious ball strike call (laughs) and you can't challenge that sort of thing, right? Like it's just, it's, you know, oh, this liner came, Alec Manoa's first pitch of the game was a liner right back at him that hit him in the pitching elbow and he couldn't go on, right? Like it's so much more like baseball stuff is going to happen and baseball stuff is really going to dictate who is successful in the tournament or not. That's how the Atlanta Braves won in 2021. That's how the Washington Nationals won their championship. That's how the Kansas City Royals won their championship. So you just get in the tournament, and then you're in the tournament, and then as a baseball fan, you just let Jesus take the wheel. (laughs) You just say, all right, let's see what happens, because crazy stuff happens in the tournament, but that's why we watch. It's a lot of fun to watch, because baseball is going to baseball, and it's really, really irritating in October. Baseball stuff is going to happen. Baseball stuff can be infuriating. Uh, let me hit you with one more thing before we get out of here then. Um, as uh, as the pandemic wore on, we saw Mark Shapiro actually have to become, and I don't know like whether you register for this, or whatever, he became a lobbyist with the federal government on how things were going to, uh, whether the Jays would be allowed to play at home, all these sorts of things. What do you suppose the odds are that he is currently lobbying against the fact that Canada is now about to drop their pandemic restrictions just before the playoffs start. We've Look, politically speaking, I have no idea whether the Arrive Can app matters or helps at this point. I don't know where we're at with any of that stuff. But give me 30 more days that maybe keeps Robbie Ray from coming up here or, or whoever it might be, right? Like, I, there's, the timing of this is just like, come on. That is a brilliant question. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm like you, right? Where I'm like, all right, let's. What do the experts say is best, and yeah. what do they say is helpful, and let's do that, right? Like, so that, that's where I'm. I don't even know what opinions to have no, anymore. I am putting my uh, hands, you know, put my faith in the hands of the professionals sure. and letting them figure but that's it a out. Baseball so they thing. say, "Come on." <laughs> All right. Well, and I think particularly for the Blue Jays, because in this I know about Mark Shapiro is that it drives him insane when and it's typically American media who say this, they say, oh, what an advantage the Blue Jays have by, you know, unvaccinated players not being able to cross the border. It drives him nuts because he says, well, what a disadvantage we had for two entire seasons. We didn't play a home game for like 670 days. We played the three different home ballparks in 2021. Everybody with the Toronto Blue Jays believes, to a man and woman, every single one of them believes they would have made the postseason, if not for the three homes in 2021. Right. But somewhere in there, all that unrest and all that unsettling, um, and just then need just one or all two that more wins somewhere. discomfort, it would have, you know, they would have had one more win, right? So the Blue Jays really do feel like they've been disadvantaged for the last two years. Um, and now, yes, yeah, something that may have been a slight advantage for them <laughs> in the postseason, although... Robbie Ray could have just gone to his CVS and gotten the J&J and he would have been fine. And who knows, maybe he already has. We don't know that, right? You'd you'd think so, uh, right? Just two weeks out from the playoffs. If there's any chance I'm going to (laughs) Toronto for a playoff game, I'll go and take care of this, right? I'll 
I'll say this. The vaccine mandate did encourage Aaron Judge to get vaccinated yeah. and Whit Merrifield as well. So that's a net positive. Two sure. more vaccinated people in well, this we world. We saw Boston uh, say I'm... the same. The next time we go to Toronto, <laughs> this won't be an issue was their right. thing earlier in the year. So we Canada's so, thing has helped out. I, I think it's been good. You know, there's at least a half dozen individuals that got vaccinated because of this in, in Major League Baseball. So yeah. that's a positive. We'll, we'll take that from a public health perspective. Um, but look, if you're a Blue Jays fan, you want your team to be the best and beat the best, right? So if you're a Blue Jays fan, you're like, bring on Robbie Ray. You know, you're saying, no, we're not going to try to finish third in the wild card race so that we can avoid like having to play Tampa and Houston. Screw it. Let's go to Houston and let's beat the Astros, right? Like, isn't that what you want to believe that your team is the best? Like, you don't want your team to have this cupcake sweetheart schedule where they never have to be tested. You want to see them tested and rise to that challenge and face that adversity and be like, hey, we're actually the best team. We're actually better than you guys are, and we just beat your ass. So I think as a fan, that's probably the way to look at it. You heard me say that my plan was to lay on the couch, eat turkey sandwiches, and watch baseball. (laughs) Did it sound like I was looking to do the hardest road? No, I'll take the easy road if it's available. Um, Look, this is fun, man. Thank you so much for making the time. I I know it's about to get crazy again for you, and I know it always is throughout the season, but uh, appreciate when you uh, you make a little time. And it's it's been easier to do this time. I'm not having to sit outside and uh, and you know dodge the uh, the power outages so uh, thank you so much man i always appreciate it always a pleasure my guy glad you're back on the grid <laughs> and i'm sure we'll be talking before again before long all right there he goes uh, always fun to uh, to catch up with arden uh guys made a lot of time for us over the years we always appreciate when he uh, he drops by and uh, and drops some knowledge on your toronto blue jays the guy knows how to bring it uh, check out his work at sportsnet.ca and on the At The Letters podcast as uh, we move through the uh, the rest of the season and into the playoffs. Uh, don't forget, Thursday, Shrides is back. Lots of hockey talk, and uh, we'll get to, into a bunch of other stuff with her as well. Uh, looking forward to that. And uh, September 24th, that is this Saturday, Nita Beer Company's Oktoberfest. More information and tickets for that at nitabeer.com. That's going to do it for today. My name's Matt Robinson. Thank you all for checking out the show. We'll catch you all next time. I am unhappy with the confusing and at times confrontational nature of that meeting. I wanted it to go better. I wanted it to go better!